Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings Week 14 Rankings Breakdown by each position. Remember to smash the like button if you haven't already, and leave something nice in the comment section. I don't want to read bad things, I want to read good things, if I read them at all. Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com most definitely reads those, don't you, Jake? <laughs> I do. I like to engage the followers. Well, the 9 out of 10 enjoyable followers. Yeah. I mean, on the Pat Mayo experience, the viewers are like 99.9 out of 100 top-notch people. You people out here, you're the real heroes. You'd be an even bigger <laughs> hero if you subscribe to Mayo Media Network as the push to get to 20,000 subs by the end of the year continues. We're almost up to 18,000. I'd like to get that by the end of the show. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please go do that. We're going to have a ton of content coming out over Christmas season and then into the new year with football playoffs and golf returning, MMA still going on, and maybe even launching a few more shows on some of the other sports, not involving me, everyone's favorite part, not me, people seem to enjoy on Mayo Media Network, not just the Pat Mayo Experience. I don't need to be in everything, Jake. But the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listener's League is in the description right now, and if you have not subscribed to the audio podcast of the Pat Mayo Experience, do that now on any place where you download podcasts. Running back rankings for week 14, Jake. Here's who I got in. DeAndre Swift and Christian McCaffrey. Here's who I have out. <sighs> James Conner, Justin Jackson, Salvon Ahmed, Matt Breda, DeAndre Washington, Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Alexander Madison, Devonta Freeman, Frank Gore, and Antonio Gibson. Now, some of those guys may play. I just don't know which ones it's going to be yet. Like, it looks like Gibson's going to miss time after Monday night, right? And then from the report, at least while watching that game, Riddick made it sound like that when they talk about when they always say turf toe and talk about how it's actually, and then we know this, if you know, if you follow any of the medical people out there, it's actually basically like a sprain or a pull, like you would get another body part. So it's, that's why it can linger. And this is why, especially when you're talking about your toe and that type of situation is it can even affect your play just because it hurts every time you step and make a cut. So yeah, it sounds like he's going to miss at least this week, potentially more time, which is a big hit to fantasy and the Washington team. Uh, the other, I mean, the rest of this list, yeah, the Connor situation is the most cloudy, I would say, just because they're him and Mark Andrews, and obviously because of their situations, it's understandable, but there hasn't been a whole lot of news whether they're considering sitting out, whether, you know, they, the, the fact that they tested positive, like we haven't even heard if they were symptomatic, at least any of the reports I've seen, they seem the most cloudiness of the two is Connor and Andrews. And I don't know what's going on with Joe Mixon. He's eligible to return from injured reserve, but I haven't heard anything about him yet. No, inside injuries, they wrote him up today for us, and they said that they they would be surprised if he even comes back this season just because of the fact that they kept pushing it back and then put him on the IR, and then they're doing all – like it just – it sounds like it's something that they should have just addressed and called it a season earlier. Well, let's get into the rankings then. Number one in my heart, in your hearts, and if you made the fantasy playoffs with the number one pick, your team's about to get a whole lot better because Christian McCaffrey <laughs> looks like he's coming back just in time to save your season. He's at home against the Broncos. Not a great matchup, but you're obviously playing McCaffrey. Derrick Henry, James Robinson, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, Flea Market, Chris Carson, Ezekiel Elliott against the Bengals, and Nick Chubb against the Ravens. Um, I th was surprised when I put Zeke at number nine in my rankings, but if there's a spot for him, like this, this has got to be it, or he's unusable. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. And also, are you gonna put it this way? Are you gonna be influenced at all by tonight's game? I'll, I mean, if he gets hurt, obviously I'll take. Him no, 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 not if he gets hurt. I just. Because it's the Ravens. That's what that's what I'm asking you. You're, no. you're basing it on the fact that it's the matchup. So I'm saying 
whether he does, I, I guess the only thing is you could maybe move up. Like if he looks good, you could move him up even a few spots. Is that the only way he could go? No, I don't know who I'm going to move him over at this point. Cause I would, the only thing that would really deter me, Carson? it's not whether he has a good game or a bad game. It's whether for some reason, Tony Pollard basically steals his job, which I don't expect to happen. That's why I have Zeke ranked here. But as long as he's playing like 70% of the snaps, 75% of the touches versus Pollard, this is where he's going to be ranked for me against the Bengals. Yeah, see, and so there's two things here is the the Jets run defense isn't terrible. Uh, it's not. Yeah, but seen. it's not good. Just their pass defense is so bad that it's just but very it's, easy to pass all of them. It's the same. Well, it's the, but it's the same argument for the Falcons and it's the same argument for the Panthers on the flip side. Like the Panthers pass defense is average. The Jets run defense and the Falcons run defenses are average because it's compounded by the fact that the other side of their defense is also so damn vulnerable. I only bring that up. Because also we saw Carson, despite Carlos Hyde barely used in that game, still is kind of being limited, not for that full 20 touches. And that's the only one I was going to bring up is that's what I was going to say. It's like if Ezekiel Elliott runs for 80 yards, Pollard's only sprinkled in tonight, would you move Zeke over Carson? Like that's the only person I would go over. That's why I was bringing it up. Yeah, I see. I still like Carson in this, and he hasn't had a big play in a while, but this is the perfect team to do that against, as the New York Jets have missed the most tackles of any team in football. So that that's... They're trying to. <laughs> I mean, I would actually take that as a real case with visual evidence. I'd be like, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. But it's them and then Vegas and then Carolina. If you're wondering why some of these run defenses are so bad that they just miss a ton of tackles. That's the big difference between the Jets this year and the Jets last year. Their defense was top five a season ago, but they were also top five in missed tackle rate in terms of being good at it. Now they're the absolute stone worst in football. Yeah, and that's I'm trying to pull it up right now. I was going to see if I could find the yards after and before contact because, all right, here, let's find it. By the sound of it, I would assume the Jets are near the top and after contact. So missed tackle percentage. Yeah, they're not actually – they're mid-pack on that. But after contact, the Jets are – wow, middle of the pack. They're not even that high. So I was curious but because I, I understand. I, I know what you're saying by watching. It's just I would expect the yards after contact to be much higher. The top two are the Panthers and Bengals, and then Raiders at number three. Yeah, well, the Jets just fall into a circumstance when you haven't won a game is that through attrition, you miss a lot of tackles because all teams really have to do is run on you at a well, certain say, point. That's what I was going to say is they're not actually getting the contact. Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. that's, they're just whiffing on it. And they face a lot of rushing attempts against. And the the argument here for Carson is obviously he's in a bit of a split with Carlos Hyde at the moment. He's doing much better in the receiving game for one thing. And it does appear like, you know, like I said, like I told you last week, the pandemic has closed down a lot of these restaurants. You can no longer let Russ cook. You have to run the ball. And it <laughs> seems like they're committed to doing that. The so drive through. And yeah, if, if Carson's going to get 15 plus touches, and even if it's just 15 against the Jets, I'll take it. Like, give me that. You want you want to hear a crazy stat while we're talking about this? Do you know which team has the lowest missed tackle percentage at six point nine? The lowest missed tackle percentage at six point nine. You would I'll give you a hint because you wouldn't guess it. The Giants. No, third lowest though. Good guess. Uh one sec. No, let me let me try to come up with this. <laughs> Denver. No, Denver's actually near the top in missed tackle percentage. All right. Um, they're one, they're second, one, one of one, the one. running back smash spots. One of the running back smash spots. Same I'm going to say. Smash. What's that? Sorry. I said they're the same division as another smash spot for running backs. Oh, so Houston, both. is it Houston or Jacksonville? No. I'll give you one more guess. Carolina. Nope. 
Carolina's actually at the top at missed tackle percentage, 14.5. That's Detroit we're... Lions. Really? 6.9% missed tackle. So when they finally get to you, they bring you down. It's just the problem is whether or not they're getting to you. Yeah, they, they, I, well, one of the actual like good stats that I like to look at, uh, although fantasy football or uh, pro football outsiders is now a pay site. So I have to get my membership to that. But like yeah, adjust, no. adjusted line yards for both the offensive and defensive line really does tell you like a, basically what you need to know about picking fantasy running backs. Like if talent, like if you think that one guy is talented over another, you go with them. But if it just comes down to two even guys, like, Oh, this guy's offensive line creates an adjusted three yards per carry versus this guy's offensive line, which has like negative one. Well, you take the guy with a good offensive <laughs> line. And then if they're playing up against a defense that, you know, doesn't make first contact until like four yards down the field, that, that's a very high number. But just as an example, that's what you want to be looking at. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think one of the things to look at, too, is you would look at yards before contact on the flip side for the offense to know what kind of push that offensive line is always getting. True. Uh, if you want to check out some of these free tools, go to ftndaily.com. They're all free up there right now. And if you want to get the optimizer, the projections, and all of the premium tools, use code MAYO at checkout and get yourself a discount on top of the already discounted NFL, which is already over 150 bucks off. I think it's like 70 bucks for the rest of the season. That takes you through the playoffs. So a lot of uh, gambling and daily fantasy to be had using the optimizer and all the projections and everything like that. Let's get back to the ranking. So that's the top 10. Uh, number 11, I have Miles Gaskin. Then I have DeAndre Swift, who I assume is returning this week from his illness. He passed concussion protocol. Uh, Elvin Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Wayne Gallman, J.D. McKissick, assuming Antonio Gibson is out, Cam Akers, Damian Harris, Giovanni Bernard. That is my top 20. After, shit, Gaskin, I think it gets kind of dicey. Like 12 to 26 is kind of a jumble (laughs) to me. So, and that's where I was going to go is I was going to go right to DeAndre Swift. That's the smash spot. And that was going to be my last hint. If we didn't just jump to it, it was going to be the fact that these teams are facing each other. Uh, the DeAndre Swift, I don't know if I could trust him this high. Uh, not over Kamara, not over Taylor. I hate to say probably not even over Gallman, mostly because I don't know what's going on with him. We just had the report heading into that game that Bevel was saying, he doesn't look right. Don't expect the workload. It's going to be more like the beginning of the season, which granted against the Packers and DeAndre Swift, he can do a hell of a lot on 10 touches, but that's the problem. Early season, we're talking about 10-ish touches, and then if everything was going fine, it looked like he was going to return, and then all of a sudden, no practice. On Saturday, we get the report he's not playing. If he returns this week, I just don't know that we don't run into a Clyde Edwards-Alaire, where not that he doesn't get a single touch, but maybe they only use him sparingly just because he's not right. When, when you have teammates saying you don't look right, like walking around, like you seem a little bit out of it, that when we're talking about concussions, I have legitimate concerns about DeAndre Swift. I understand why you have him there, and I understand the upside of facing the Packers. I just In my first round of playoffs, it's going to be hard for me to trust Swift. I think we really, this is one of the key things, and I'll hammer on this on the Friday show, where if you do have a start start sick question of the week, that is the show where if you leave it in the comment section, I'll answer it. You leave it in this one, I don't care about this one. It's on Friday where I'm going to do it after I have the injury news. Well, I want to hear the injury news first, and that's when I report the injury news No, I know. News I'm just laughing because you're like, I don't care about this one. I just I, was laughing at that. I'm doing the show where we talk about the rankings. You should be able to decipher it from that. If you have like a legit start sick question at the end of the week, because we record this on a Tuesday afternoon, then all of a sudden we're 
we're good to go. I will get to that one. And we're live on Sunday mornings too, 10 a.m. Eastern time with me and Brad Evans, uh, where we also do a chat, but you know, no guarantee you get your question answered there. And the Friday show, you do, if you leave it in the comment section. After you smash the like, which you should do for this episode, and sub to Mayo Media Network. It's five plugs in a row. Here we go. Jake, I'm getting warmed up. I'm feeling good this week. Golf is over for the year. I feel like I'm liberated. I'm not galaxy braining all the way around. I'm fired up for the fantasy playoffs. My big thing is he, he gets in a full practice on Thursday or even just Friday. I'm good to go with it because as was reported last week that they were going to limit his playbook because he hadn't practiced all week. They're like, oh, he got into sure. limited practice. The guy can like barely stand up. He's going to get limited work. But if he returns to full practice Thursday and Friday, I think he's good to go. I trust him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Full Thursday, full Thursday. I mean, Friday, it would have to be a full, full Friday. I mean, like out there and everything is fine. So yeah, I, I could see that again. We're playing a lot of the matchup and I've been arguing for this matchup. People are like, well, why do you like this guy? Why do you like David Montgomery? Well, because it's the Packers. You don't even need 20 touches. So their upside is definitely there. I would still give me a Thursday and Friday practice. I would still put him behind Taylor against the Raiders, one spot in front of Gallman. And that's only two spots. Mostly because I still, the, the one thing we don't know also, we still haven't seen Bevel's usage. Like, what if Bevel just continues to give Adrian Peterson the work and use Swift as a change of pace option? Or, you know, like, that's the thing too. It's like, I just don't know what Bevel's going to do. We would think he knows better and we would think that he would learn from Patricia's mistakes. But, you know, maybe he's more concerned about not looking like an idiot trying to get another head coaching job, or maybe, you know, that, I don't know how he's going to play the situation. Well, if he's someone who's looking to get another head coaching job or potentially retain this one, which I do not think that he'll do either, that playing your best guy might be the smart move. Unless he thinks Adrian Peterson gives him the best chance to win. Because well, that, that, all that, then they're... all that does is probably disqualify him from any head coaching opportunity now, wouldn't it? <laughs> Where we are talking about the NFL, though, is there's a lot of stupid coaching hires every year. And I'm just saying, they're one game out of the playoff spot all of a sudden. So, you know, if he's like, Adrian Peterson gives me consistency, I can keep Swift out there for eight touches and just use his explosiveness on those eight touches, and we can win a game 24 to 21. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, I could see Bevel doing this. This is a league where we still have Adam Gase. And I told you the only theory I have of why he still has a job is because he's Kaiser Soze in us. But Adam Gase still has a job. That's all you have to say about the NFL right now. I'm excited for Adam Gase to retain his job going into next year. That would just be That's terrific. what I'm saying. Kaiser Soze. That would be terrific news for the purposes of the Pat Mayo experience, and specifically the Wednesday spread show. That would just be awesome. I still don't trust <laughs> How Kimar do you fire Williams? That was the best tanking call play of all time, and you fire the guy? Here's the better question. How did he continue to get jobs after the Bounty Gate like audio leaked? Uh, that's... Again, the NFL. Thank you. That's that's a great example of another situation. Kamara, I trust but don't trust at the same time, and I trust Jonathan Taylor even less. Like, Taylor had nothing going on until that fourth down play where he ended up scoring the touchdown when he was just completely left wide open to go down the field. And then they started giving him usage. It does feel... In, right. like in Frank Reich's backfield, that if you got it going early, they're going to stick with you until you don't got it going anymore. Then they'll switch to someone else. So if they, <laughs> he comes out and gets five carries right away for eight yards, he's going to the bench. That That's happening. He's playing what the Chargers were doing with Noah Austin Eckler. It's hot hand in game. I, I just will bet on the talent and an amazing matchup with the Raiders. But yes, look, we were concerned in that game when Naeem Hines got the rushing touchdown. I, I don't disagree with your statement there. So again, Kamara trust a little bit more than I trust Taylor than I trust Swift. You want to move those guys around. I have no problem with it. The funny thing is 
as we keep skipping past number 15, who's probably the most trustworthy of all of them. Well, there is a point, too, where you have to be concerned that Alfred Morris starts coming in the game to steal your touchdowns. Well, that's only because Wayne Gallman was gassed from running it all the way down the field. Listen, I think 15's a fair spot. He's a high-end running back, too. I, I yeah. think I would still gamble on the upside of Taylor uh, Kamara and... Sweat oh, absolutely. The, the upside, absolutely. I was just saying, for like as a sidebar, he's the most trustworthy one in this spot. Sure. No, you might actually be correct about that. 16, I mean, McKissick, if there's no Gibson against the Niners, who have a pretty good run defense and a very good pass rush, that Peyton Barber is going to be the guy who handles the majority of the work on the ground. We've seen that story before. Spoiler alert, it's terrible. He might end up with like 18 carries for 22 yards and two touchdowns, but the fantasy points in the passing game are going to be funneled through J.D. McKissick. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. It's like it, you talk about, Antonio or Antonio Gibson you're talking about Peyton Barber being back there I mean honestly with Alfred Morris vulturing Wayne Gallman I'd say he's still better than Peyton Barber so McKissick is easily the higher option but yeah you do have to worry about the same situation of getting touchdowns taken away uh since Drake has returned in week 11 week 10 week 11 he has double digit opportunities inside the five yard line Edmonds has four Kyler has five obviously their entire offense is impacted by Kyler Murray's shoulder and just unwillingness to run at this point and it was actually the second time in his amount of games so far this season he had fewer than 12 carries in a game which kind of sucks i bet the prop of the over good looking out me but this is a situation in this spot against the giants whose defense is actually a lot better uh, it's really improved throughout the course of the season that i it just feels like a feed drake game and i don't trust him because he's you know hit or miss in these spots but he still does have that breakaway potential to score you some big fantasy points here and it's listen you lose and you go home it's not about playing floor week guys i think in the fantasy playoffs you should go with the all upside roster you're just trying to win <laughs> Yeah, I, and I don't mind that call at all. I was too high on Drake last week, mostly because of what you were talking about inside the five, too, is that since Ken, uh, not Kenyon Drake, since Kyler Murray suffered a shoulder injury, those opportunities went from, I think it was like one point something per game up to four. And I forget who tweeted that. It was probably like a, it's a Rich Rebar, or Pat Thorman, or like one of those guys who like had those kind of stats handy. But it was, you know, you're talking about four opportunities inside the five every single game. So that's why I had Drake kind of high last week. Didn't work out. I think that's a fair spot, even how good the Giants look, because you know, you're talking about getting rushes inside the five-yard line. If you gave me four rushes inside the five-yard line for any running back inside the top 20, I'd feel pretty confident about playing them most weeks. Yeah, that's what I thought about Benny Snell on Monday night. <laughs> well, Benny Snell stinks. That's the problem there. Well, it wasn't good. He got, he got his chances. The best was I, the, I tweeted the uh, R2-D2 running in the wall with the <laughs> scream and spinning around. And I said, this is where Betty Snow modeled his game after. And somebody said, actually, at least R2-D2 spins off and keeps going. Like, <laughs> so like a good, good point. What's, okay, your, sir. what's your trust level with Akers on Thursday night? Because it seemed like a lot of his run early in the game was due to Henderson leaving for a bit and then returning. Obviously, he played the majority of the snaps. He played 65. I could see it shifting back the other way. Like, I don't have the utmost trust in Cam Akers here. Oh, it's absolutely zero. It's Sean McVay. And also Cam Akers didn't practice. Well, didn't practice. What was with this this year? With all of a sudden, like, he wouldn't have practice if there was practice, but there was no practice. So, like, you know, Monday, Cam Akers, you're going to have to watch him anyway because he would have missed practice if there was practice. So I still don't trust McVay, even if he practices today, tomorrow being Wednesday, whenever anybody's watching this show. It's still Sean McVay, any given game. I mean, he goes hot hand for games scripts. He goes hot hand in game. 
yeah, Daryl Henderson left with an injury, and Daryl Henderson didn't get a lot of touches. It, for people that see only the fantasy points, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of work. But what if it goes the other way? What if it's all of a sudden Malcolm Brown, 15 carries, and, you know, gets all the goal line work? So it's a zero trust level. I would rank Akers the highest of the three, though, but I don't, I don't like it. Do, do I have him too high at 18, do you think? Like, would you rather play, let's say we know Gore is out, and this is the trickier part because it's a Thursday game, and maybe we won't know this information, but would you rather play Ty Johnson or Akers? Ty Johnson looked pretty good. Granted, it was against the Raiders, but still, he, he looked okay. He also looked okay. You've mentioned part of it. I'm not taking too much away from Ty Johnson, but if you saw that game too, the Raiders was partly because he was facing holes like, like I'm trying to like really big. It was like Tevin Coleman is who I compared him to. I did Chris Harris's waiver show. And I said, he reminds me of that. It's like Tevin Coleman. If he can find that crease, he can find that lane. Boom. One cut gone. You ask him to do more bad news. Ty, Ty Johnson's kind of the same thing. You start asking him to make two or three moves, try to make, you know, find his own lane. You're going to struggle. Seattle, I'm not putting a ton into that Giants matchup. That was the first time their run defense looked that bad. I'm not saying it's a top-end defense, but I would go Akers. I think where you have Ty Johnson is a fair spot. Miles Sanders has a tough matchup with the Saints. I'd and he sucks. Miles Johnson Sanders there. sucks. I he fucking does. hate Miles Sanders. He's <laughs> Everybody does. He, I, I did it, a poll you, of who You bro- know, because I, I talked about this for a few weeks on the show, so shout out to anyone who actually did it, because I totally forgot to, because I forget shit i say all the time that i made the claim on the DraftKings show like week after week it's like you might as well just blindly play baker at some point because everyone is so down on him after playing in these horrific weather games that he's just gonna go off in in one spot and throw like five touchdowns i only got to four i believe but still it was a great spot to play a 0.5 percent owned baker mayfield because you knew that he had that upside we know what the upside is for miles sanders and sometime over the next three weeks he's gonna score like 42 fantasy points and no one's gonna play <laughs> Probably, but at this point, you know, I was going to talk about as I did a poll and asked who burned you the most. And it was Herbert Sanders, the Clyde Edwards Alaire, you know, going to play, going to be active, even though he had the flu. But I forget the other one because the other one was like the lowest of all. Oh, Todd Gurley not being 100%. But a lot of people apparently were had the flexibility to bench Todd Gurley. But Miles Sanders clearly won, and Herbert was right behind him. Those were the top two. Everybody got burned by Miles Sanders. It was a gift matchup, too. And all of a sudden, Jordan Howard, Doug Peterson's back to being the Doug Peterson we hate. Ever since Miles Sanders got hurt and came back, even before Jordan Howard was in the mix, he's gone back to, oh, I'm just going to keep mixing and matching back here, despite having a talent like Miles Sanders. So maybe Miles Sanders isn't 100%, and Doug Peterson knows more than we do, or he's just now Shanahan. And again, it's that same situation. Of this entire list, I'm going to make a case for somebody that I think you do have too low. Let me guess. And I can't but Let me guess. James White. No, no. There's only one. There's only two players in the Patriots, and I don't even really like either. Like, I only like Damian Harris last week because between the tackle, running backs against the Chargers have hit all year. Um, outside of Damian Harris, I don't even like him most games. And Jacoby Myers isn't even that great. There's like nobody in the Patriots right now. Uh, 25, Melvin Gordon. And I hate it because I've avoided Melvin Gordon all year long. I'm not a Melvin Gordon fan, but against the Panthers, with Philip Lindsay still not 100%, uh, he still doesn't look right if you're watching Philip Lindsay. Melvin Gordon against the Panthers over Sanders, Ty Johnson. Probably not Ronald Jones, but I think you also have Mostert too high because Shanahanigans, again, got us. Um, and I probably put him right there with like Geo, but ahead of, uh, not ahead of Ronald Jones, though, if that makes sense. I would move Ronald Jones up and then Melvin Gordon right behind him. So you'd go Ronald Jones over Akers? That's where you'd put him? 
Yeah, I would go Ronald Jones, Melvin Gordon, and then pretty much the rest of your list. All right. So you would would you play Jones? Would you play Acres or Jones? I would play Jones, and I hate that. I All hate right. that I would, but I, I would. I, I'm going to back you on this one, and you'd put Melvin Gordon up above Acres as well. Yeah, would I just put, don't trust. Would you? Sean would McVay. you? Would you put Geo above those guys, knowing that he's still getting all the touches? He's just doing nothing with them, and now he gets the Cowboys on a short week. So that's where I, that's why I didn't bring him up too much as a debate here, because 18, 19, 20, Acres, Harris, Bernard. It goes back to your argument about the playoffs. If you're going for upside, Acres is the guy. If you're going for floor, Giovanni Bernard is your floor. He's He's if your team has zero injuries, you're you're stout, you're not worried about anything. Just keep him in there. Don't don't screw around with Acres. You don't need to. If you're going for ceiling, I would go for Acres. Okay. Twenty one through thirty, Damian Harris now, Gio Bernard at twenty two. Obviously, I've shaken these up by moving two guys up. Raheem Mostar, Ty Johnson, Miles Sanders, Kareem Hunt, Devontae Booker, David Johnson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Naheem Hines. Again, this assumes Josh Jacobs is out. Right. What an odd split in that backfield. I actually did not see that coming, that Richard would play so many snaps and then Theo Riddick would play so many snaps. I didn't quite <laughs> understand it. Uh, I don't really understand. Well, I do. I, I think it's partly the fact that nobody expected the Jets to be up late into the second quarter. I think that's really what kind of happened. And, you know, if you watched it, Devontae Booker got more run in the second half. And if it wasn't for Derek Carr stealing his goal line carry, they're, my, they're not saying... It's great because that play where Derek Carr ran in, the two previous plays were Jalen Richard and Theo Riddick and, and not Booker. So I'm not saying it definitely would have been Booker getting a touchdown, but I say if Booker would have got that rushing touchdown, everybody wouldn't be so upset about what happened. And Booker still had 17 touches. And if you said 17 touches against most defenses, let alone the Jets, even the Colts at this point, because the Colts defense is not good anymore. They've flipped. They've done like a Giants from years past and what we've seen from other defenses where it changes in season. You know, it, it's not the worst scenario here to have them. Maybe he's a little bit low, but he kind of feels like more of a floor guy at this point. So I don't mind your ranking at 27, mostly because you mentioned it. It looks like theoretic and Jalen Richard that John Gruden insists on somebody else being a pass catching option. Like his, his lead guy is just never going to be also in the passing game. It's exactly what happened with the Falcons, with the Brian Hill situation where he was the pass catching back. And then when he got elevated to the girly rule, he was no longer the pass catching back. Like, what is going yeah. on here? So he, he can't, so he can't catch passes. Like, well, I, I don't quite understand this, but I think Booker might be in a nice re if Jacobs does once again, sit obviously that, I'm more interested in him, like, DraftKings-wise, because no one will use him this week. And like you said, he got 17 touches. If you want to give me someone to get 17 touches? Well, generally, that's the David Montgomery theory, isn't it? it pretty much, I, That's a great comparison. David Montgomery, we've been playing him, and David Montgomery, still talent versus talent, slightly better. I know some people argue significantly better, but I say slightly better. But, yeah, volume is volume. And, you know, maybe he's kind of – Maybe while all we're arguing here is you could move him up to kind of that Giovanni Bernard range. Um, but, you know, he's RB2, fringy RB3. Okay. Uh, Edwards Alaire, James White, Todd Gurley, uh, any of the Baltimore running backs, do you hear that you think that I should be moving up because I don't want to move them up? <laughs> I think Dobbins is going to be telling tonight. Yes, yeah, that, will... that, that is one where the situation will be affected by the Tuesday night game, and I will update my rankings. You can find all of the rankings in the description and up at dkplaybook.com, and I update them every day. So that is one where I will have to see what happens if there's like a noticeable you know, time difference here and how these guys look coming off the COVID list as well. Yeah, I'm looking right where... 
Did you mention Singletary yet? No, I have Singletary way down. I feel okay. like he only got the run in that game because Moss got benched oh, that was for the punishment. early fumble. And yeah. I just, I don't think that, I, I think next week it just goes back to Moss. And the, who has won money playing the Bills running backs this year? Anyone? I don't think anybody, if you're, if you're RB2 as a Bills running back, you're probably not even in the playoffs. You probably stop. You're probably not even watching the show right now, <laughs> let's be honest. And yeah, I, I think it's punishment. The week before, Devin Singletary fumbled. It's not like he's super secure with the ball. And after that point in that game, it was a lot of Moss and very little Singletary. This just seems to be like, hey, if you fumble, you're punished. Done. I have Moss at 42. I have Singletary at 56. Like one of them might be able to pile up some yardage. Maybe they get involved in the passing game, but the touchdowns are still either going through the air or just Josh Allen on the ground. And it's a bad matchup. Like what, what, if you have no upside to begin with and you're basically in the worst matchup you can have, like why is anyone playing you? I don't know. Well, speaking of why is anyone playing you there, I would start Jamal Williams before I start Benny Snell or anybody in that backfield. Benny Snell's way too high. There is, nothing in that Jalen Samuels might be the lead option this week because Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane look like crap on fire. Well, maybe it is. I have been saying this all year that Washington, the Washington front seven is the best unit of any unit in the NFC. Sure. Which is not saying that's two games in a row. Yeah. I mean, he had argue two poor. I mean, he had almost a hundred yards against the Ravens. He had like 97 or something. Benny Snell. Snell. Yeah, he had like 65 yeah. on the ground and 33 through the air. Like, I would have taken that. That would have been fine. <laughs> but was it, wasn't one of those runs late and big? I mean, those count, Jake. I know they count. But I'm just, I remember, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I just remember watching that game and for three quarters thinking he looks like crap. I could be wrong. I could be misremembering at this point in the season. I mean, he did have a larger one late. I don't think it was like 60 yards or anything like that. Like I said, I could be misremembering. I, just, I, maybe I just feel I'm like just, he was just, he was just more consistently I just, I'm involved. I'm a Benny Snell against, hater. Yeah, you really are. Like I, I still think that he's going to be if Connor is out, that he'll have at least the plurality of the touches between the three of them, and I think that makes I him don't good even enough. Think it matters. I, I think that makes him good enough to be in the mid 30s as a running back four for Week 14. Well, let's see. His long was. 13 16 for 60 so 15 for i mean i'm not taking too much 15 for he still averaged 3.8 even when the like it's just that's what it was this maybe it's just it, it's uninspiring i just don't like benny snell to me I, I think that's more than anything it's just he's not very good you, we've done it how many weeks in a row now there's a problem he's just not any good like well, that's that's really what it comes down to well it's like having todd Gurley at 33 he's also not good yeah, yeah, but watch this be the week. I mentioned that the Chargers between the tackles. Watch him get a touchdown this week and be annoying. Then he scores. Yeah, but even when he does score, he still only scores like 13 points. Yeah, because he's only getting 50 or 60 yards. Yeah, I'm not he, saying play him. I just watch. It's, just, it's going to happen. All right. Is that enough of running backs? Anyone else you want to mention? Yeah, I, do, I honestly, kidding aside, that wasn't even a joke aside. Like Jamal Williams against the Lions, I think is in play. Sure, him. that's 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 a tough spot to go to to start a backup Packers running back. Like if in in, a, in the first round of the them. fantasy playoffs, like that's tough. I'm just no, but if you're in, look, there are people. I almost got hit with the playoffs starting freaking Betty Snell. There are some teams that got hit, like you and I were texting about. There's some teams that have just been hit the past two weeks with all these COVID situations and all these late running back injuries who are still in the playoffs that might be in this discussion. And I'm just saying, like. Daryl Henderson, Peyton Barber, Jamal Williams, you might have to make a play. I, if you're going for upside and you're talking about these guys, Jamal Williams against the Lions is in play. The, the, the Packers insist on giving him touches. 
I would tend to agree with you, but I think it's hard to rank him any higher than this, knowing that it could be sure. one point. Sure. But, you know, it was one of those ones where it's like, hey, anybody else you want to mention? I'm just saying, if you're looking for the boomer bust, like basically like that wide receiver four at running back, that's kind of what he is. I, I think that he and Adrian Peterson are kind of, I mean, I had them two spots apart in the rankings, that they're both kind of on the same tier in terms of boomer bust factor. That's this a week. good call. Yeah. And obviously they do it in different ways. Peterson's going to get goal line touches and a bunch of carries if he goes off. And Williams will likely do most of his damage through the passing game if that ends up happening. I mean, how 2020 is that, that we just had Adrian Peterson and Alfred Morris' top 10 running backs? Top 10 running backs? Yeah, weren't they both top 10? Because didn't they both score twice? Yeah, but I don't think that Morris still ended up with enough yardage to crack the top 10. Uh, did he? He's, yeah, he's number 10. Wow. In front of Alvin Kamara, <laughs> he finished top 10. Fantastic, yeah. Adrian, Adrian Peterson, number 8. Nick Chubb, 9. Alfred Morris, 10. Kamara, Akers, Gaskin. That t- both top 10 in the same week really makes you think of why anyone watches a show where people rank people. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real testament to these support us. (laughs) Thanks. Wide receiver rankings for the week, week 14, likely in DJ Moore with his ankle. And it looks like he'll be cleared from the COVID tracing list as well as will most of the Panthers, unless he actually tested positive, which it doesn't look like he has done at this point. Curtis Samuel also on that, but I just have them in the rankings for now. Larry Fitzgerald and Willie Sneed, I expect to come off the COVID-19 list. Likely out, I have Danny Amendola and Kenny Galladay. I am sick of putting these guys in the rankings every week. And then by Friday, it's just useless. So you know what? Wait, what happened to Amendola? He got hurt again? I thought he he ended up leaving the game late. Did he? I missed that if he did. Maybe not. Maybe I should should put him back in. You're probably correct about that. Yeah, three or five for 62 yards. No, he he didn't exit. All right. So I, I thought that's why his numbers were so low that he ended up exiting late. <laughs> I mean, I think you take 62 yards from Amendola. Yeah, maybe I think so. you're happy with that. <laughs> w- would you play Amendola or, I don't know, Brashad Perriman this week? Floor is Amendola. I would just go for the upside of Perriman. Would you play Colin Johnson or Amendola? <sighs> I'm sighing because Mike Glennon is likes Colin Johnson. Hell. And he likes Colin Johnson. He likes DJ Chark, too. DJ Chark in his first game back, most snaps, routes, targets, everything. It just happened to be the it, like, God, man, it, Mike Glennon. That's why he's so frustrating. Chark was wide open on that interception, and he overthrew him and threw it right to the safety. Okay. Like, would, would, oh. you, would you play Danny Amendola or Chad Hansen? Amendola. And Chad Hansen, everybody's, everybody's been tweeting about that. Most routes, most snaps. But, like, Brandon Cooks was out for a significant time making sure he didn't have a concussion. I, like, Chad Hansen is fun, but I, I would not be starting Chad Hansen over Amendola. I, would not, I, I think you have Chad Hansen way too high. At 50? Uh, it seemed like he was the guy on the outside. Samuel, they- Chark's way too low. Everybody gets the Titans. Chark was, Chark's going to be inside my top 36 against the Titans. What? know if i want to be t- trusting dj Chark. i'm just throwing that mike up williams he's not facing stefan gilmore this mike williams is very is more predictable than people think he is because it's basically if a team has a good outside corner he's probably more likely than not to disappear because herbert doesn't go that direction if you have a weaker one then go with mike williams and you know the falcons you could argue have okay but it's definitely weaker than gilmore just looking at it right now like he i guess he had a good game against the jets but Obviously, who doesn't? Nine <laughs> targets last week, but you know, forty-three yards on them. He's cracked fifty yards once over the past four weeks. Like touchdown he, bust. It's touchdown or bust. He has four touchdowns this year. It's not great. 
I didn't say it was great. I'm just saying this matchup's better than it has been. I guess so. Anyway, let's go to I'm the... I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm playing over Hanson. You need to move Chark up. I mean, I can do whatever I want. They're my rankings. So here they you are. You can move... Devontae Chark Adams over is Juju's... number one. Okay. DK Metcalf, okay. number two. Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Deontay Johnson. That's the top ten. Then we got Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins... Robert Woods, Diggs, Robbie Anderson, Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Tyler Lockett. That was McLaurin's first bad game of the season. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. And he's had probably the worst wide receiver schedule of anyone so far. That's volume, 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 and also being a really good wide receiver. Yeah, I have Corey Davis at number 21. (sighs) Look, you gave me that victory lap. I was not even expecting this. I wasn't expecting Corey Davis. Like, when I said, take that flyer because he could be this year's Devontae Parker, that was like, hey, maybe he turns out to be a wide receiver too. Not, I mean, he's been a wide receiver one over the last four games. Where is he on the season? He's Corey, Corey Davis's top 20. He's 25. So he could, he could crack the top 20 by the end of the season if he keeps this rate. All right, so let's just keep scrolling through these. Uh, Corey Davis, number 21. Marv Jones with Galladay expected out at number 22. DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Devontae Parker, Cole Beasley, Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, Jamison Crowder, and T. He Higgins, number 30. It looks like Ryan Finley is going to start for the Bengals, correct? <laughs> Seems that way. I don't know if that's a downgrade necessarily with Brandon Allen. <laughs> Uh, and breaking news during the show that Doug Peterson has announced that Jalen Hurts is starting over Carson Wentz. So I don't know what to do with I mean, not that I wanted any part of the Philly receivers to begin with, but Hurts looked good on kind of good on one drive and then looked god awful the rest of the game. And that's exactly what I was saying about Jalen Hurts heading in. And the fact is Jalen Hurts, you just saw who he is. That's legit. Take that game. And that's what you expect going forward. Jalen Hurts. For my opinion, and a lot of people agree, some people don't, but my opinion, needs to, the reason I thought the Eagles were drafting him was let's think about benching or getting rid of Carson Wentz at the end of 2021, as in not just Jalen Hurts as a rookie, probably even the second year, kind of like the Aaron Rodgers back with Brett Favre, although I think that was three seasons. But because Jalen Hurts in that game is what you saw with his passing issues, coming out of college, he's still developing as a passer. He's not a very good reading the progressions and going through from his first option to the second option. Kind of Jameis Winston-y. And that's where you saw that interception. That's where you saw the bad play. He has the upside to make plays that some quarterbacks can't. And especially the rushing upside is what I liked about him. Like very much like Kyler Murray. So as a fantasy asset, probably in the QB one, think of him kind of like Taysom Hill, but a little bit more likely to throw an interception. Sure. This is a, we'll get to the quarterbacks in a minute, but it's tough defense to go against. First time out. No, and I, I, I'm saying all that to you're not wrong. I don't want to start any of the Eagles wide receivers. The only one I would even be stashing right now is Jalen Rager, just in case Hertz does something for this offense and he's his guy. Godwin got the pins out of his hand. That's good news for him. And miss practice today. Yeah, but it's, you get pins out of your hand. You're going to miss a practice, <laughs> and, too. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, it's I just say that because it's worth watching. Sure. I I think that the fact that he was able to play through it and now it's apparently healed, that he should be fine by the time Sunday comes along. Oh, hey, I think of pins in a hand and any body part and putting them in and taking them out. I just, oof. 
All right. I got Mike Evans at number 31, so it's Godwin, Evans, and Antonio Brown is the way I have those receivers ranked. Uh, Claypool at number 32, Pittman, Sterling Shepard, Kiki Cutie, Amari Cooper, Alan Lazald, T.Y. Hilton, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Tyler Boyd. When did Juju become Julian Edelman from like four years ago? That's kind of too aggressive. <laughs> he's, he's running even shorter routes than that. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's, like, he's running two-yard routes out there. So, yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster, what, what do you have, like seven for 28 in that game or something ridiculously stupid like that? Almost got to 10 PPR points. Impressive stuff. Well, because here, let, let's tongue out of cheek, joking aside, the backfield is part of the issue is that the Steelers as a whole have kind of almost turned part of the passing game into a running game by default and doing that. They, they were already doing it with Claypool at times, but, you know, just throwing that quick out and that's our running game instead of running Benny Snell 15 times, running Anthony McFarland 10 times. We'll just get it out to the wide receiver. And even if it's four yards a clip, well, guess what? Three receptions. That's the first, that's the first down. So this kind of this hybrid, not real running game. They've turned into the passing game. Uh, 41 through 50, Tower, or sorry, Antonio Brown, Tim Patrick, Brendan Ayuk, Rashard Higgins, Denzel Mimze, Rashad Perriman, Colin Johnson, 2L Colin at that, Nelson Aguilar, Danny Amendola, and your guy, the mix between Scott Hansen and Chris Hansen, Chad Hansen. <laughs> My guy. He's going to catch a predator on red zone, so it's going to be good. <laughs> Uh, is that that? That's the that's the guy's name, Scott Hansen. Scott Hansen's the guy from Red Zone, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and Chris Hansen's so the, the guy, guy from the, Catch a Predator. Chris, is he? I believe so. I, th- I think that's his name. Chris I don't know. Hansen. That, that was the one where he's like he's like waiting in the kitchen when they come home. Yeah, it's like oh, I I've seen you brought some Mike's Hard Lemonade. Why don't you come sit here for? A <laughs> My question is like. Like, how does anybody believe that show? With how is he in the guy's house before he comes home without the guy? Know? Like, oh, we, no, we no, 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 no. Th- listen, that's not how it works, Jake. It, they you set it's up not- the meeting online, and they go. The predator goes somewhere else to a second location, oh. and they're all set up with the cameras and everything. Oh, I thought they were like showing up to people's houses, being like, "Hey, we got you." <laughs> no, here's a- okay. No, okay. Then Chris Hansen's okay. like, "Why don't you take a seat? We got to talk about this." <laughs> okay. Yeah, Chris Hansen to catch a predator. Maybe he's in a Hansen band. Or is it O? It's E, I believe. Is it? Hansen the band. Mbop. Mbop. There we go. I believe that they're a big Christian rock group now. I was going to say, didn't they try to like resurrect their career with a different genre? I mean, they you weren't going to be 12 years old forever. <laughs> you weren't going to live off Mbop for the rest of your lives. They probably could have lived off Umbop the rest of their lives with how, like, royalties work. I bet you they could have. Maybe. I don't know. I've got to look this up afterwards. I'm kind of interested to see how that third kid turned out because he was kind of goofy looking. <laughs> he was, like, eight. I'm just, what, I'm, I'm not allowed to say somebody's kid is goofy looking? Your kid is goofy looking, Jesus Christ. I was goofy looking at two years old, I can tell you that much. I was one of those little chubby babies, apparently. Most babies are pretty chubby. Nah, I was like the like the fatty face looking one. Yeah, my, bo- both my sons have that right now. Both under two. So here we are. I hope if you anybody call, I, if you call them goofy looking, I'm going to show up to your house and kill you. <laughs> if you tell anybody to hold them, do you tell them to hold the mayo? I don't know. You'd be surprised <laughs> how quickly that pun loses its fun when it's a part of your everyday life. Oh, you, you mean like Jake from State Farm? Yeah. Who do you hang around? 
Who was making these Dude, jokes at you? I was at Ch- I was at Chick Fil A, and they came to the you know because yeah, they do the curbside for the app now, and they walk. Oh, Jake, you from State Farm? Like still, still to this day. Jake from State Firm it is. If that's what you want to be called, that's what I will call you from henceforth. Uh, Here's the problem with the Jags, guys. Uh, Whether it be Colin Johnson, Keelan Cole, DJ Chark, I don't know which one it's going to be. It should be Chark. I agree with you. I played a bunch of Chark last week. Did not work out whatsoever. Like you said, snaps snaps run, highest. Targets, highest. He had, what, two catches? Great. Mike London has no rapport with him. He has a rapport with Colin Johnson. He also had like over 18 air yards per target. I just, that's where yeah, wait, like, wait, yeah, said it's, it's great before. to have all these air yards per target when the quarterback that's throwing you can't complete those passes. And that was my argument for Marquise against Marquise Brown for the longest time. And I'm not basing it off that one fluky Trace McSorley play to say like, oh, look at Marquise Brown. But for the upside, again, it's playoff time. Upside. DJ Chark, first of all, for me, would be in front of Colin Johnson. I don't think there's that much rapport with Colin Johnson to say like, oh, I definitely think he's Glennon's guy. But if you're telling me what we just saw in the first game back, I mentioned the overthrow for the interception. I saw the same thing. I was watching the same game. I had DJ Chark in that home league I was telling you about where I was rolling all year long and then lost half my lineup. Uh, But at this point, DJ Chark over Juju Smith-Schuster getting four yards a catch, like that's where I would go. I'm not going to go super high, Maybe I would disagree with some of these, like Alan Lazard. Like, can we stop with the Alan Lazard? We want him. I'm not saying you. It's just we want the number two wide receiver for the, the Packers to be something, and we want it to be Lazard. Maybe it's just never going to be until they actually bring somebody in. But he would be in that Shepard Pittman QT range for me, and the fact that I'm going to go for the upside of chart. All right, you rank him for me then. You put him in there. What? G- give me a number to put next to his name. 37. I would play him in front of Lazard. I'm done with the whole. Like, I know Lazard could catch a touchdown. But what's the difference between Lazard and Mike Williams at this point? That's pretty fair, to tell you the truth. I have so, no real rebuttal to that. The, the issue with Lazard is they keep winning by too much. If they were in a more competitive game, I feel like he'd get more <laughs> targets. <laughs> that's, that's also fair. I can't believe we're back on T.Y. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with your ranking of T.Y. Hilton. I've forgiven him. I didn't want to trust him after that one game back, but... Ooh. Uh, the, th- the interesting thing is the past two games, too, is it's not that Michael Pittman's gone away. Michael Pittman is still getting his opportunities. It's just that Hilton's really hit on his catches. Well, it's be- it's because Hilton has stopped running down the field. He just runs these, like, little quick <laughs> slant routes, and, like, Philip Rivers That's can complete true. those passes. That is very true. So, you know, at this point against the Raiders, I think Hilton's back and forth. To be honest with you, I'd probably even go Hilton. I think the, my biggest issue right here with these rankings is I keep looking at Sterling Shepard and just there's so little ceiling with him. And I've been a Sterling Shepard guy and the fact that he is clearly the number one. But even with Daniel Jones, let's throw out the Colt McCoy start. You know, we're talking he's he's very similar to Juju Smith-Schuster. It's like yeah, okay, there's, there's more yardage attached to that. It's like seven for 60 or something. I was actually going to say seven for 65. So there you go. There you go. So I, I even lowballed him on that one. <laughs> Let's move to tight ends. I got Mark Andrews and Irv Smith in. Mark Andrews is not playing Tuesday night, correct? No, he's not playing Tuesday night unless they surprise active him, activate him after this show. But I mean, today is 10 days. So I don't know. I don't know if today counts as 10 and they can't activate him till tomorrow anyway, or if they can activate him today. But either way, he still hasn't been activated. They announced they activate that their account announced that they activated Lamar Jackson yesterday. He said nothing about Mark Andrews. So. Who knows? I'm going to be guessing that he's back for next week. So I put him in the rankings. I have Johnny Smith is out for the moment. We'll see how the injury report crops up for him. So I have Kelsey, 
Waller, Hawkinson, one, two, three, and then Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, Rob Gronkowski, Robert Thunyon, Logan Thomas III, LT3, Dallas Goddard. <laughs> I did these rankings, obviously, before Hertz. Uh, would you keep Goddard at number 10? Because he actually seemed, he was catching passes from Hertz, at least. Yeah, I maybe two spot, no, one spot, maybe Gesicki. Only because it looks like Tua is finally doing more with that. Like it wasn't that Tua was avoiding him; it was just four for forty, four for thirty-seven. So, you know, maybe Gasecki over Goddard, but the Saints—that's another one. Saints at the beginning of the season was smash your tight ends against them, and all of a sudden, eh, smash your tight ends against. Them. Uh, all of a sudden, they're somewhat okay against tight ends. So, yeah, Gasecki, but I want to go much further than that. All right, so Gasecki, Fant, Hayden Hurst, Anthony Ferkser, Colt Komet. Austin Hooper, Dalton Schultz, Jared Cook, Jordan Akins, and Eric Ebron. Higher. What's that? Dalton Schultz, higher. How much higher? I would play Dalton Schultz over Furtzer? Hayden Hurst, who's been, you know, yeah, Ferkser for sure. Uh, Hertz has been completely non-existent for most of the season. Ah, I kind of go with a toss-up with Fant. Fant's also been so in and out, mostly out. Right? You know what? I... You I'm know, just going to say it. I, I'm going to give Fant the pass because he was dealing with that. He was playing through that ankle injury, a lot like sort of what's happening with uh, Jerry Judy right now, where he's very clearly playing through an injury, but it seems like Fant is back up to full speed again. Yeah, but we keep giving Fant excuses all year long because he's so good. He's very good, but correct me if I'm wrong, but no touchdowns since week two? Yeah, no touchdowns since week two. A season high of 57 yards since week one. 57, 46, 35, 38. Like, that. I'm done making excuses for him. I'm with you. Like I want him somewhere else because he's a great receiving talent. I want him with a better quarterback, a better situation. I want it healthy. I'm just done making excuses for him. I would play Schultz, who Andy Dalton has been using more than Dak was using him. Uh, Andy Dalton's pretty much been the three. Now, of course, tonight's game could change things. We've already mentioned that. But it's been Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and uh, Schultz for Andy Dalton, the primary options. And you smash everybody against the Bengals. Gasecki just had this huge game against the Bengals. Would you go Goddard or Schultz then? That's a toss-up for me. I'll, I'll let you keep the Goddard in front of me if you want to. All right, I will. I'll keep Goddard at number 11. I'll move Fant to number 13. I move down Austin Hooper, so now it goes Goddard, Schultz, Fant, Ferkser, Komet, Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper. I like the Komet ranking. I, I had him in a few DK lineups because he's been out there the past two weeks more than Jimmy Graham, and they're getting him involved. Uh, anything else you really want to touch on at tight end? Yeah, uh, of course. You know, I, I can't believe you even put him inside the top 20. Did, I thought you would just left him in worst place forever. At 18, Jared Cook finally shows up when nobody's using him because he had zeros the week before. Of course, it's classic Jared Cook stuff. But the tight end is so bad this year, I had to put him back into the rankings. You don't have to. You say it all the time. You don't have to do anything. That, I suppose that's true. I decided that he's off the shit list for me. All right. Well, Jordan Reed should be a little bit higher. Also, revenge game. We've got a revenge game on both sides. We've got the quarterback and the tight end. Revenge games. Alex Smith versus Jordan Reed. I suppose that's true. I don't, I just worry that he wasn't involved until it was absolutely over against the Bills. Sure. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. And I think he, what was it, 24 snaps? He wasn't out there. Or was that routes? I saw that tweeted earlier. It was, yeah, 24 routes. Dwelly ran 10. So 24 routes isn't bad for a tight end. All right, I'll move him up to, I'll put him at number 20. Yeah, whatever. Behind him. <laughs> Everyone's playing this guy anyway. <laughs> Quarterback rankings for the week. I have Kyler Murray as in, but uh, I'm, I'm a bit worried. I'm not going to lie to you. Then likely out, I have Daniel Jones. 
but he might play. Who knows? Uh, Brandon Allen and Jimmy Garoppolo. So the rankings are Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Taysom Hill, Matt Ryan, Justin Ebert, Herbert the Pervert. Then you got Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill. That's my top 10 for the week. What do you think? I would move Watson down. I know he runs. Like at this point, Roethlisberger is just throwing a crap ton. The Bills defense, despite playing better, is still not playing that good. Honestly, I would probably swap them. Uh, not If you want to play Watson in front of Murray, Murray, I tweeted this out this morning. I compared him to Ryan Tannehill on the passing side, and the passing side is much better for Ryan Tannehill, but he's much higher in fantasy because of the running. The problem is, he's not Kyler over the last three games is not exactly. He's run five times. He has like what 50, 60 yards on those three games combined. No touchdowns until Kyler Murray shoulder is okay and he believes it's okay and he's running. He's fringe QB one, which is where you have him at eleven. If it was my rankings, I would probably go. Now, this is before I've done projections, too. So for everybody out there for process, if you're just now tuning in, I do projections, and then I move people off of my opinion of watching football. So this is my first gut opinion, is I would go Roethlisberger. I would go Tannehill, Roethlisberger, Watson, Murray. That's how I would do it. I'm going to keep Deshaun where he's at because I do like that he's you know more willing to call his own number around the goal line. It does seem like he's my running more now that Fuller's not around. And I think he has, that's my fear. Akeem Hicks with being active on the bears has been a stark difference with and without him. And he was already running for his life in that game against the Colts. I mean, there is, he was snapping the ball and people were in his face. Like we saw last year. That's my concern is that even if he likes to run, is he even getting out of the backfield? So I I understand why you have him there. I just, I'm legitimately concerned about this matchup after what I watched the Colts do. And the Colts defense hasn't been as good as it was at the beginning of the year. All right. I'm going to keep him where he's at. I like it right now. Yep. Uh, like I said, that's fair. So I moved up Roethlisberger one spot ahead of Kyler Murray. So I have Kyler Murray at number 12, Matthew Stafford at number 13, Lamar at 14. Again, we'll see what he does tonight. Cam Newton, Philip Rivers, Sam Darnold, Mike Lennon, Teddy Throzevelt, and then Mitch Trubisky at number 29. I couldn't bite on the Andy Dalton or Alex Smith revenge game in this spot, <laughs> but I have Carson Wentz in the rankings currently. I need to change that to Jalen. Yeah, hurts. Where, where do you put Hertz? Like, honestly, like amongst these guys, like I'm thinking, like, would I rather play out? Al- would I rather play Tua or Jalen Hurts? I think I'd rather play Tua this week. I'd rather play Tua, but I think I'd rather play Hertz than Alex Smith. No, nah, Alex, because Smith, of the Russian- Alex Smith enjoys uh, chucking it down. He enjoys uh, a chuck. I under- yeah, but that's I uh, still what I'm going to go for is the rushing upside. I'm going for ceiling here. I just mentioned Jalen Hurts. Look, he what ran for five five times for nine or not ninety forty or fifty yards in that just that was replacing in the game. Kate Carson Wentz. He has Kyler Murray rushing upside. He has the ability. If he was Jalen Hurts was starting the entire year, he has the eight hundred yard rushing upside with seven, eight, nine touchdowns on a season, and that's why I'll go after Hurts because I know I'm getting Taysom Hill with more interceptions in the passing game, so that means the two hundred range. Maybe he gets two passing touchdowns. Maybe it's one and two interceptions. But I know he's running for 50 or 60 yards. So would you go Dalton or Jalen Hurts? I'd probably still go Jalen Hurts. Would you go bar- tr- like, tr- Trubisky or Jalen Hurts? That feels like a very, very, very close competition because they both have similar upsides and both have very low floors. Uh, I'd probably still go Trubisky. All right. I'll, I'll put that. Jalen Hurts at number 21. Oh, I forgot about another revenge game. Teddy Bridgewater against the Vikings. There's we're full of them this week. Oh my god, I I missed that one too. Wow. There's a lot of them. 
out there. So yeah, I, three I think... three quarterbacks in a tight end revenge game this week. That's your stack. You play in super duper flex leagues. <laughs> Defense. Well, yeah, look how the Golden Tate revenge game worked last week. You you really like to point to Golden Tate for weird reasons. The guy doesn't even play on his own team. <laughs> Just talking about the revenge, like that. That's such a non-factor. Yeah, n- no one actually takes that seriously, Jake. You know that, right? Uh. I think that you would be surprised how many people do. No, people like to joke about it. That's what they like to do. You just take everything real seriously. No, no, no. I'm telling you in my comments and my rankings, when people are legitimately asking questions and they're not joking around and saying, should I start blank over blank because he's facing his former team, blah, 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 blah. People really do buy into these narratives of birthdays and revenge games and contract years and all that type of stuff. They, they buy into it. Sure. If people watch this show, they know. It's more just for fun. <laughs> I mean, anyone watching that show, that's what they're doing anyway at their time. It's not like they're getting serious analysis from me. That's why you're here. Defense rankings. The one spot where I can contribute a little bit. I got the Saints at number one against Jalen Hurts. That only seems logical to me, especially if he's going to be running around. Sack City, Washington, San Francisco, Seattle, Texans, Browns, Chiefs, Bucks, Panthers, Colts are my top ten. Anyone you got a problem with in there or someone I should move inside? I just mentioned the Bears. I like them, and I like the Giants for sack cities. Uh, I know Kyler Murray's not running as much, but that Giants is getting quarterback pressure, what, the last three or four games? They they were talking about during the game. I'm pretty sure they're inside the top ten the last three or four games. I'm going to go – like, you always chase this all the time, and I'm not saying I'm right, you're wrong, but I immediately thought of the Giants and Bears this week when I thought about – getting to quarterbacks with pressure and ones that will scramble a little bit and might not be able to get away. The Giants make a lot of sense. The Bears, it doesn't feel like, maybe it's just me. I thought their pass rush had been like severely trending down all season. I mean, it was a lot I, better at the beginning I'm, of the year than it was at the Maybe I'm just overrating the Hicks game that he was out and then the Hicks game when he's back. I don't know. Are you pulling it up? Yeah. Gonna, I was going to... Let's see. Did you have the pay for, and I don't have the pay for. <laughs> well, this isn't a pay for. You can just go to FTNDaily.com, defensive line tool. It's completely free. Quarterback knockdowns for the year. Where are the Bears? Chicago. They are 7.4% in quarterback knockdowns. That's on par with Carolina and Minnesota and Cincinnati. Bottom eight in football. Uh, pressure rate. They are bottom six in football. Like they're not really getting to the quarterback all that much. Their hurry percentage is bottom five in football. It's not great. Okay. They're yeah, just a just better, the they're just a rate. good overall defense. Yeah. Just a sack rate, middle of the pack. Number 15. So now, there you go. Now, yeah. it, it does make sense against Deshaun Watson, like you mentioned, against a beat up offensive line that, that they could really play. I, I still have them number 13, number 12, number 13. That's still fair. All right. Well, no, this is why I brought them up. This is why we debate defenses this is the combined efforts of our defenses and we end up getting number one giants i you know i should probably move the giants i'll move the giants up to number 10 i'll move them ahead of the colts although i always just like the colts defense every week they, they tend to do they score fantasy points every week which is always nice did they score fantasy points last week yeah they had a safety they had a fumble recovery they were doing stuff uh yeah they two weeks ago is when they did it i was thinking of the tennessee game who do they who play? They're facing again yes that that was a bad game it'd be like having played the chargers defense last week <laughs> yeah the both tennessee games one point and one point That's so don't so we're okay for the rest of the season then with the colts <laughs> well four against baltimore four against cincinnati how did that happen 
it's defense. This is why it's so random. Yeah, I know. You're going what you bring up all the time. You're going for turnovers and sack rates. I want to watch the Cowboys and see how their defensive line plays because if they're playing Ryan Finley, like they're potentially playable. Yeah, and they're one of the most available to although how are the Washington defense still under 30%? On I don't your, know. What I, the I, hell? I, I don't get it. Because they were playing the Steelers last week, I'm guessing. And? <laughs> it's just people don't want to play the defense against the 11-0 and team. That's just the way that it works. That's how people's minds work. People don't understand how to play fantasy defense. They're like, I want a good defense. Like, you don't need a good defense. You just need a defense that scores fantasy points. Not the same thing. No, and remember, it was two or three years ago, the Philadelphia Eagles, top two defense, despite being one of the worst real-life defenses in points and yards allowed. So there you go. And it was like that for years in, like, the late aughts and, like, early 2000s. Like, you had the Chiefs teams, which one had Dante Hall when he was, like, returning touchdowns. But then their defense was just so bad, (laughs) but they were scoring so many points, they would just end up, like, leading the league in picks somehow. Uh, And they had a gigantic sack rate, despite the fact they gave up, like, 35 points a game. Do you, uh, do you? I think I mentioned this to you before. See if you remember the trivia question. Do you remember the last fantasy defense to finish number one in back-to-back years? I'm gonna say it's like the Bears from 06, 07. Maybe the Ravens. Earlier than that, like try 99, 2000 Pittsburgh Steelers. Tough scene. Tough scene for sure. Twenty years the defense hasn't finished back-to-back number one. I, I would be willing to see that at any position, though. Like, very rarely do you see someone repeat as the number one player. Like, I mean, it should it should be Christian McCaffrey this year, but he missed half the year. Like, it's just it's weird. Sure. Yeah, and you know, and there's some like top fives you could debate. It's just more so because there's such a big discrepancy year to year from those even top three fantasy defenses every single year. It's just you know that's kind of like a more throwaway fun stat than anything. All right, I'll do it. Pat Mayo experience. Your rankings out at midnight, I'm guessing, yeah. or or they're not because. Oh wait. Oh no, I'll still, I'll be able to finish them by midnight. Sadly, you don't have. You much can tell to... I'm tired. <laughs> it's week 14. People people overlook how much of a grind this tends to be when you're doing this every day. Last week was a nightmare. Good God, not only the Wednesday game, but then you know the week before with the most of the news littered Saturday we've ever had. And then you see what's coming in next week and week 15, right? Saturday games. I don't mind Saturday games so much. I don't either. I'm, I, I enjoy them for the NFL side of things to watch them, but that just means updating the rankings for Saturday morning. And then again, Sunday, like that's, that's all. Yeah. Although this is like the most fun job in the world, working like 130 consecutive days sucks. <laughs> and it's 70 hour work weeks. I'm not complaining about this job at all. It is a dream job. I am blessed. I thank everybody that watches you and me. And there's plenty of people that come into the athletic comments of like watching you and Pat Mayo all the time. But it's probably why Pat, so many people assume I'm Canadian. Um, but you know, it's an amazing, fun, lovable job. It just, it is like, I'm just tired. Like that's, I'm not, I'm not going to lie about that part. I'm just very exhausted come week 14, 15, 16. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting my second win right now. So I'm good to go for the rest of the season. I hope you Are see you? me in week 15. I'm like, Ugh. Well, just now that golf's over, I feel like I, it's not that I have a bunch of free time on my hands, but I'm just like, yeah, this is great. I don't have to like force this show in or this show in. Just focus on the shows for the week. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the week 14 rankings breakdown. Good luck in your fantasy first round of the playoffs, maybe second round, depending on how your league goes. Although I guess there are some leagues that only have 14, so weeks 15 and 16. So maybe you're still trying to get, I don't fucking know. 
Now I'm like mind meld too. I got another show to do after this. Anyway, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. Help us get to the 20,000 subs by the end of the year. Full football slate coming at you the rest of the week. If you missed the waiver wire, that came out on Monday. Some old cuss corners up there as well. Smash the like on the way out, and that'll do it for me playing the Listener's League. All right, Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience. Experience.